Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. As we're discussing bubbling drinks, making us drunker. Okay, we are back with the Literary Briefs episode of Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me is... J.M. Paquette. You're going to talk about your delay. It makes it seem like you're in a whole different studio. What the heck? It, it's Skype <laughs> that's making me delay. It's Skype that's making you, I, whatever, bullshit. I call bullshit on that. Anyway, I'm our guest today. <laughs> you look like you're paying attention. Our guest today is Lynn Waddell, the amazing author of Fringe, Florida. So welcome, Lynn, back to uh, Literary <laughs> Briefs. We're going to do rapid fire questions. They, well, we'll see if I can do rapid-fire questions. Jen might be better <laughs> at it. Um, uh, so the first question I always like to ask is, what is your favorite book? Oh, wait, wait. We're supposed to talk about what we're drinking. I actually should have granted a refill, but I'm drinking gin with um, tonic with lime and pomegranate. Jen, what boring drink are you drinking? <laughs> Seltzer. <laughs> Good to know. Lynn, what are you drinking so people can drink along? Mimosa, champagne, and orange juice with a side of sparkling water. <laughs> and you were just telling us that side of sparkling water will enhance. Um, y- you explain it. I'm going to do badly. Go yeah. ahead. It, it enhances the buzz uh, from alcohol or marijuana. Which is very cool and legal in a lot of the states that our yeah. listeners are listening in, and hopefully very soon legal everywhere because it's dumb that it's not. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> We're not a political podcast or anything. No, just kidding. Okay, so what is your favorite book? Well, I think I go back to the book I said that made me want to be a writer, which was um, To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, I've gone did back you, and read that and stuff. Did you read the follow-up? What you th- did, what, and what did you think? <laughs> no, I, didn't, I have not read the follow-up. I thought about it. I read about it. But actually, I didn't get it because um, – because I question whether she should, she would have wanted that or not. Because, you know, there was a whole controversy about that. Because mm-hmm. she had said that she would never, you know, do that, publish it. And, and she was very old and um, frail and, and maybe not all together with it <laughs> when they uh, tried to publish that. So mm-hmm. there was so much controversy about it. I thought, you know, I don't necessarily. I, at first, I was really excited about getting it. And then when I heard of all the other stuff, I thought, no. Nah. So I still haven't read it. I, I probably should. I should buy it used. <laughs> you want to keep Atticus in your memory the way he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's kind of like Atticus is like, you know, this hero, your dad, kind of the way you want to see him and everything. And it, <clears throat> I didn't really want to, I didn't really want to destroy that. <laughs> will it destroy that if she reads that book, Jen? Should she not read it? Did you read it? It will destroy that, yes. Okay. Don't read the book, Lynn. Don't do it. Just just stay where you are. Okay. So what is your least favorite book? Gosh. One of my least favorite books. Man, there's been a lot of books um, that are bad. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and the thing is, is, one of the things is, is that I can't remember a lot of the names of them, you know, because they were just so bad. A lot of times I just wouldn't even finish them. You know, it used to be when I started a book, I had to finish it no matter what. And now that, that's, that hasn't been the case since I've gotten older because it's like, you know, time's too short. I don't have time to read 
shitty books. Um, and I would say, uh, of course, you know, the one that comes to mind most often was the one about the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or something. You know, I think that was just a really bad, bad book, or just notoriously bad book. But there was this one book that we listened to on tape, and I wish I could remember the name of it because it was so bad that I really wanted to just write a letter to the author and just say, you suck. Oh. Because, and that's really bad for to say, but, but it was bothering me because it got like some kind of awards or something. And it was this mystery book and it was so, and it was written of course by a man and it was very, um, you know, he, he was just uh, all, it was just so cliche and the women's, you know, the women were all poor damsels in distress and you know, that kind of thing. And, and, I, and at one point in the book, the guy, the, the protagonist is actually thinking about killing himself. And I was cheering for him to do that because I hated <laughs> you're like, jump, do it. Jump. He was thinking about jumping off the bridge. And I was like, God, would he just fucking jump off the bridge? Because I can't stand him, you know? So I'm, I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of that book, but it was just, it was just bad. So, do you um, write reviews then? No, I think it's fine. Trust me. You named my my least favorite piece of literature that I didn't even read very much of because I think E.L. James is a gigantic joke that just did well off of marketing. But um, yeah, right. do you ever write reviews? Not that much. Not that much. You know, um, I I'm not I'm not really into that. I mean, it gets into this weird thing too because sometimes as you're a writer and you have friends that are writers and people want you to write reviews and stuff of their books and then it feels awkward. I feel awkward because you know I don't I want to be honest in my reviews, but I don't ever want to criticize any of my friends, you know. And and um and not that not that I think my friends' books are good, but it's just you know when people want you to read books, they want you to they want you to critique it, you know? And so it's just really awkward. So sometimes I just don't, I just try to stay out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cause it can be uncomfortable. I'd rather, I'd rather not have that. Um, my friendships mean a lot to me. My no, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. I also think it's interesting because a lot of times when friends read books, one, are they even interested in the genre of book that they're reading? Right. Because right. you go, hey, friends, can you read this book? And I find that and it, it actually it's there's a lesson in that, too, is, you know, I, I know a lot of writers hence three of us on this call. But um, I also have a lot of friends and I'll go, hey, my new book is out. Right. And put the mm -hmm. advertisement on it and I can look at the sales and I can have a lot of people like it on Facebook that are friends and make comments. Ooh, that's so exciting. Blah, blah, blah. And I can tell directly proportionate to the amount of sales, whether or not, you know, your friends are actually buying your book. And I realized that I have to just treat that as almost a form of advertisement and an announcement. Like I got a new couch, you know, just, and people go, wow, I love your right. new couch. You, you can't, right. um, even necessarily have your friends or family be the people that are buying and reading your books. Now, if you're lucky, you have people like that in your life, but that's not always the case. And, um, I also think you don't always get the most, um, realistic feedback from people who are super close to you. Because again, like you said, you, you want to be nice and you don't want to go, Hey, like I had a, a, a friend's book recently. And again, I'm not going to call them out. And I found this error in it. And 
they're super proud of this particular book and they're very proud of it and they've gotten a lot of acknowledgement for it, but there's this, there's a thing. And I was like, I literally had a whole moral debate about saying anything to them about this issue in the book because they're so proud of this book and blah, blah, blah. And, and I didn't, it came down to like, I asked my boyfriend, I'm like, what do you think? And he's like, is it important enough for you? You're not her editor. You're not her publisher. You're not that. Is it important enough for you to say something? And I went, no, it's not important mm -hmm. enough to potentially affect the friendship to say something about this thing, you know? Right. Right. And this, and this just did. And so, so you, so you end up having to do this thing where it's like, okay, I feel like once I make that rule, I can't write about things, even the things that I really love, because if you write about, you give reviews for books that even the ones that you, that you think are exceptional, you then your other friends will see that and then they'll go, well, why don't they write one about my book? You know what I mean? So it's like, so I feel like I have to just kind of stay out of that, that realm of doing book reviews. I mean, I got asked to do, I did a book review for a friend and, um, um, several years ago. And I really did feel that there was value, a lot of value in his book. And I'm, and it's also, you know, the person too, right? So, you know, their experience and, and say if it's somebody who's not a very experienced writer and then they do something beyond what their experience would make you think they were capable of, you would say, oh yeah, they did a really great job with this book. But if you compared that book to some, say, other writer who was more experienced, it would maybe fall way down. So it gets into this weird... Thing. This is something as a, I, I teach English um, and we have this debate all the time. Like what, what is the purpose of taking a class is, is it to measure the amount of improvement? Like that's really good considering where you started right. or, you know, and then the other thing you have to separate the person from what they're writing about. Like sometimes I'll read a paper you know, that a student wrote like about how their parent died and it's the, they're like pouring their soul into this paper, but the grammar in it is bad. The organization is bad. And I'm like, I kind of, I feel bad, but I, my job is to look at your, your writing overall, but how do you do that for a friend where you look at it and you're like, I love you and I love your ideas, but your the way you put it together was not so great. So it's a weird line to walk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I generally just try to avoid it. I know that, I know that's terrible. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that, but I just find that it's just like safer for me because I value my friendships, you know, and, and, uh, and really I want to support everybody that writes. I do. I really want to support everyone that writes because it is not an easy thing. It is like, you know, pulling your teeth out, you know, with no anesthesia <laughs> when you write, you know, <laughs> Oh, totally. No, I agree a hundred percent. But what about, so uh, what about the reviews for your book? How have you felt about the reviews for Fringe Florida? Um, well, you know, I, I, uh, I, I've, I've appreciated the reviews that I've gotten, you know, I think that, uh, I mean, I've been lucky that I think a lot of them have been positive, which, which of course, you know, makes you happy. <laughs> You know, I still have to love about that. Um, I think there was one person that said, oh, I think this is a stupid book. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. And I was like, okay. Not really explaining why they thought that was stupid, but that's their, that's their opinion. And I knew that there would be people that wouldn't like, would like it. I mean, you're not, if everyone says that they love your book, then 
then obviously everyone that reads it is not saying anything because not everyone is going to love everything. You know, I mean, you're not going to have make everyone happy. Um, I think that's I think that's one of the hardest things of, to accept for any creative person is to know to accept that there's going to be people that don't like your work. Yeah, no matter, they, they just won't. You know, it just won't resonate with them uh, for for whatever reason. You know. No, I think I think that's actually a really important lesson is that, you know, you walk into a room and nobody in that room might like your work. Everybody in that room might like your work, but more than likely there's a percentage of people that are going to like it. And I think that if you're going to give um, criticism in a review, if it was just not your thing, don't bother writing the review. Like if it wasn't like when you bought the book, it turned out not to be what you wanted to read then don't. If it's something where there's legitimate, like, grammatical things and stuff like that where you can communicate about it, I think absolutely you can give a review and go, you know, this was great, but the pacing of this situation, like, if you're going to be critical, be critical with explanation on the criticism of why it is, so potentially the author can take that away and learn from it. You know, I think. And, you know, and those are the kind of things that I think that you give to people when you read their work before it's published. You know, like when people have given me work to read pre-publication. Yeah. You know, I will give I will give them feedback. Um, It's frustrating to know that, like, once you publish something and then then somebody says things and it's like, oh, you can't change it. (laughs) You know, you can't go back and change it. That's really frustrating. It's like oh, damn it, I saw this typo, you know, like I had this really horrible typo in the first uh, first printing of my book. And, oh, really? Oh, my God, it was terrible. It was, uh, it should have been um, a poly, poly, polyamory, polyamorous, you know, like for a polyamorous relationship, and it, and, it, and, it, and it came out polygamy. And there's a huge difference there. And uh, I mean, legally, and I saw that. And I guess what happened was it was like some kind of autocorrect, you know, in the spelling and, and no one caught it, you know, the readers or anything. And I was like, Oh God, damn it. You know, that is horrible. So that was something I had to have corrected in the second. (laughs) No, no. And it's probably good. You corrected that. Um, (laughs) Uh, what about, you know, you're a journalist. I, I assumed, you know, the internet somewhat changed journalism as far as the feedback and getting comments and stuff like that, right? To your work online. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, and you get these comments on, on the, on the feedback. And then you also, the other thing about the printing online is you can't correct it. You know, if it's online, like I've had somebody comment on something I've written, something I wrote for the Daily Beast one time, and there was a, a spelling error. And somebody, of course, called that out, and I sent a letter to the editor, and they immediately corrected it, you know. Um, so you can make those kind of corrections. Whereas, like, once it's in print, you know, it's in print, and it's like, sucks. Because <laughs> you can't it's change kinda it. It's kind of like if you post a picture on the internet, it is always on the internet. Exactly. You know? <laughs> So what do you, um, when we're, when, what advice would you give to authors? Like what advice would you, you'd give to them? Um, of course, you know, it always sounds, I guess, write what you love 
and also stick with stick with your gut instinct in terms of um, you know when you're when you're shopping it around. People give you a lot of feedback and a lot of different ideas, but if you hear something m- multiple times, a criticism, a similar criticism multiple times, then you take that serious. Yeah work you know if it's just a one-off thing one person out of like five has a problem with something and if it doesn't resonate with you then then you should, you know don't let that bother you but if it's multiple you know there's multiple people saying that they have the same problem with a, a, a specific area of your work then that's something you need to go back on and work on no that makes i agree a hundred percent um what about so we were talking on the previous podcast about future books and fiction books and your writing and stuff like that. Do you have, you know, when you were younger, you've been writing, you said you were very inspired since sixth or seventh grade, which is amazing. And you've had writing as a career. Do you have, do you set timelines for yourself to accomplish the writing? Like you said, French Florida took you three years. Did you have like, I need to get this done in this time frame, or are you just more open for when things happen? Well, I, I am a person that has to have deadlines and, and I have to have deadlines, external deadlines. Um, the, with French Florida, it was because, you know, my publisher, I was supposed to have it done within a certain period of time. And I did, and then I did bend that deadline. It did take me longer. You know, at first I thought, oh, I would be able to have them a manuscript in a year. <laughs> that was totally unrealistic. <laughs> uh, and, and so I totally blew that. And, uh, but the, uh, but yeah, I think I have to have external deadlines and, and that's one reason that it makes it harder for me to write fiction, you know, because fiction is different. Like with nonfiction, you know, in a nonfiction book, you, you pitch the book at you, you work out your book proposal and then you give it to a publisher and if they buy it on it, then, you know, you sign the contract and then you have a deadline that you're supposed to meet. Well, with fiction, you know, you you have to have the book written and then you give it to the publisher before. So so you've got this kind of just like you have to self-impose the deadline, basically. Yeah. And uh, and that's the thing that I have the harder, harder problem with, because it's like, you know, I could just keep I could just keep revising and revising forever. You know, it's like I'm never fully satisfied with my work. And um, and that's kind of the way it was with this with French Florida. You know, it got to the point where I was just like, OK, I've just got to give it to him. You know, uh, I cannot. I've got to stop revising. Everything <laughs> yeah. is never done. It's just due. Pardon me? Yeah. Writing is never done. It's just due. Right. 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 And exactly. And, and so I think, so it's really good for me to have uh, a deadline. And that's why, like, if I get asked to write something for a, an anthology or whatever, that's really good for me because it is, it's a deadline. You know, I like that. And um, I, it's, it's very it's terrible that I'm that way. I mean, you know, like, I don't know, my doctor says, oh, well, you know, like, I'm, what is it, ADHD or something, you know, and I'm like, well, that's really weird because I, how have I been, you know, getting by all my life? And he goes, well, you've always had deadlines. When you have deadlines, you know, you, you kick into the high gear and you can get it done. And so, so I do like to have deadlines. So, hint, hint, any, anybody out there that's doing 
anthologies or anything. Give me a deadline. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever um, look? So it was interesting. Um, I I have a friend who's doing a anthology right now. It's a it's a demonic series. That's where I'm going oh, with wow. this. And um, she's doing like she did demonic carnival last year, and this year is demonic classic. So you take a classic work like uh, Peter Pan or yeah. you know uh, the County Monte Cristo, and you do a, a demonic take. It's a two thousand to five thousand word story. You know, do you ever look for anthologies to to be participate in? Do you ever search to go? Are there anthologies out there? I'm going to submit to them. Um. I do, I do like to participate in anthologies. I don't ever um, seek them out. If I hear of them, I try to participate. Um, but I'm, but I guess I'm, I'm too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a lazy person. Okay. So I'm not out there, uh, looking as much as I should be. But if I hear of anything that sometimes when somebody's wanting to do some kind of writing thing, like I love to participating in the Donald thing, the, the Donald Trump, uh, book, you know, and, and I loved your piece about that, the toupee. That was great. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. They're actually, ironically, doing a sequel to that called The uh, Day of the Donald, just for the record, if you wanted to participate. <laughs> yeah, They're doing I, a sequel to I that one. participate in that, because in fact, I need to talk to Tiffany about that, because I would like to participate in that, because that was, that was fun, you know? I mean, of course, at the time that we wrote those stories, we didn't realize that he was actually going to be elected, you know? And then, and then, and then they kind of made the whole thing... Um, much darker. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. And well, that's why we came up with the idea to do a follow-up. I mean, she wasn't sure. And I said, you know what? Now everybody has had experience having him be the president. So now write a, I think follow-up stories are a great idea or a whole new story about what it was. Cause I think one thing about writing on any topic, it can be very cathartic sometimes. Like you talk about yeah. writing romance before you were deep in a romance, there's a degree of, I think, assisting that that can do. Um, I know a lot of people that when they go through a tragedy, write about the tragedy, even if they put it in a fictionalized, fictional words, words, Jen, they're escaping me. Fictionalized format, it is a form of therapy. My therapist, too, says the same thing. It's a form of therapy to write write about it, you know, and yeah. being writers, it gives us an, a unique opportunity to do just that. Cause it's not just like writing thoughts in a journal, which sometimes right. can be great writing, but it's like a cohesive storyline and you put that out there. And then other people like you could do a companion to fringe Florida about what you were going through at that time, hypothetically not saying you should do that, but right. there are a lot of people that probably went through a very similar thing and can can relate to what you went through while trying to do this other journey and then having this thing happen, you know? Right. Right. You know, and I think that's, I think that's especially true with things that like with topics like grief and things like that, you know, like, like Joe Biden's book, I've been wanting to get his book that he wrote about, you know, dealing with his son's death, you know, because after seeing him talk about it in the ways that he has, it's very, it, it resonates. And I think every time somebody, um, you know, there's, there's lots of books out there. And until, until I lost someone close to me, I didn't really fully appreciate that, you know, like, what is all these books about grief and people dying? You know? But now I'm like, oh yeah. Now when I hear someone or read something, someone's writing about dealing with that, it's like, 
yeah, I know what that is. You know, you, you recognize it and, and it resonates with you in a way that, um, so yeah, so those kind of things, I think, are, I think there is value in that. And I think there's value in, you know, in commiseration about, you know, the times that we're living in, whether it's the coronavirus or whether it's, you know, the Supreme Court justice hearings or, or whatever it may be in these political uh, turbulent times we, we have, I think, um, I think there's there's always something that we can get from sharing our experiences. I I agree a hundred percent. Have you had anybody approach you that's read your book from one of the communities that you wrote about? Like you wrote about the furries in your book. You wrote about um, the fetish con. You wrote about the animal thing. You wrote about the biker thing. You wrote about the mutters. Has anybody read the book and either like emailed you or approached you and been like, I read your book. I'm friends with that person, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have. In fact, after, after I wrote the book, uh, Tim and Lindsay, the, the pony groom and pony girl, they got, they contacted me and they were having, there was some other kind of like fetish thing actually in St. Pete, but it wasn't the main fetish con here. It was the, some other kind of thing. And, and they wanted me to meet other pony people. And I met with them and stuff. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, you know, we were glad that you wrote that because, you know, we feel like people think we're weird and, you know, you didn't treat us that way and, and stuff, you know, that kind of thing. And then, and then, and then I got to be friends with, um, Bernie Bonnage money. Uh, the, uh, we became more better friends actually online. And I don't know if we have time for this, but a really funny, really funny story is he contacted me and asked me if I was going to fetish con in St. Pete and if I knew how to use a camera because they do a skit every year and down in the main lobby and stuff. And he just wanted somebody to take pictures because the person was sick who can do it. So I agreed. And I was like, sure, I'll take some pictures, you know? Well, basically, in a short, long story short, I unwittingly became like a furry pornographer without even really realizing <laughs> what I was doing. Um, and uh, because, because you know, I was so worried about it. They ended up having me use a video camera. And, you know, because the whole thing of him dressed up in this furry suit and everything, it just seemed so very innocent, you know, and just kind of silly in a way, you know, and, and then I was like worried about like my pants falling down because I'm having to bend over and I'm shooting this video camera. And then I see what the results were of the video and I'm like, oh my God, their hands are all over each other, you know, when they're in this video, I'm like, I was a furry pornographer. How did I become a furry pornographer? <laughs> you know, um, that is brilliant. How you didn't post that as a follow up on yeah, Florida. How you didn't yeah, post yeah. that as a blog post? I know. I literally became this pornographer, but I actually became friends with him, and I he had such he had such a hard time, you know, meeting um, women uh, that were into what he was into because you know it's such a niche, and and a lot of the furries are actually a lot of the guys, you know, it, it tends to be more uh, homosexual, a lot of the guys that are into it. So he had a hard time finding women, you know, heterosexual women that were into being first. And now I'm happy to say, so as I heard, he does have a girlfriend. So I'm really happy for him, you know, because. Is he also a bunny? No. I think he wants, want to know. 
she's she's obviously uh, maybe she might be a squirrel or something. I don't know, but, but she's not a bunny. And but they uh, and she lives in another state, of course, because you know how. Like I said, there are not a lot of people into this. So, but I was happy for him that he found some kind of you know happiness in life. So. True love in Furryville, Jen. That needs to be part of a series right there. True love in Furryville. My romance stories. That needs to be one of your romance stories right in the middle of the book. Like all this really nice different stories and right in the middle needs to be the furry story. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) With no warning. You shouldn't even put that on the chapter list. It should just be there. Just a surprise chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like surprise. That would be amazing. Actually. I fully endorse (laughs) this idea. 1000%. Okay. So. We got to wrap up. You have been amazing. When I, I always love talking to you. You've been amazing. Yeah. I really, I'm just going to put this plug before I let you do your shameless self-promotion. I want to see more work from you. I want to see more of your writing out there. Jen, in nodding, nodding. Nobody yes. can see you nod, Jen. I agree. <laughs> Why well, we can't have Thanks. nice things, Jen. It's but, Skype. It's game. Um, but I, I want I want to see more of your writing. So just know you have fans out there that absolutely would like to see the next part of your journey and are, are, are here to be a part of that journey with you. Thank you. Thank you You're so much. And that is so encouraging. And, yeah. and you know how much that means to me. I mean, um, I, I know it sounds so, I, I don't know. It just It's just really helpful. It's very helpful. Thank you. Well, if you ever need it, just reach out to me because I will give you that same moral support speech. I think, you know, you're writing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed when we first met. I took your book. I couldn't put it down. It was amazing. And I think you have a great voice and a story to tell. So I, I want you to continue to do that. And okay. therefore, I can buy your books. Um, so Thank how you. do people find you? Escape from Horror Island is like the best. <laughs> <laughs> I finally got the sequel coming out this year. I'm super excited about it. Slumming it on Slut Street is coming out this year. It took forever. So I understand about not hitting deadlines. What is it? What's the title of your next one? Slumming it on Slut Street. That's the sequel. (laughs) I love it. I should just title books. I feel like that's like one of my things. Call me. I'll give you a title for your book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So. How do people find you, Lynn? Okay, they find me on either my Facebook, which is my my name, Lynn Waddell, or Fringe Florida. Uh, I have a Fringe Florida page, too. And they can also find my website of the same name, FringeFlorida.com or LynnWaddell.com. And you have a very adorable Etsy shop that has all types of unique things. What is the name of your Etsy shop? I'm going to promote that, too. It's called Fringe Vintage Shop. There you go. And the shop is spelled with two P's and an E because, you know, of course, somebody had taken fringe vintage shop, regular spelling, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, but yeah, so I went to vintage, vintage, mainly vintage jewelry. It's Um, awesome. Well, thank you very much. Okay, so this has been Drinking with Authors Literary Briefs. I've been your host, Erica Lance, and with me has been J.M. Paquette. I'm going to blame it on Skype, but next time we're in person, I'm going to watch this delay bullshit. And our guest today has been Lynn Waddell. Thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate it. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah.